0: Good morning. A little false advertising. I started uh, preparing, and I realized that there's so much about Adis that is background for the sugya that I'm probably not going to get to the second part. Um, I see all the uh, there are the topics that span the entire realm of halakha uh, because Torah is a living and a breathing society. Many of these deals with the interrelationship of non-related parties. Adis is one of them. The nature of edus is so fundamental to the halakhic system and the principles that govern its uh, jurisprudence illuminate fundamental characteristics of the halakhic system, and I, I'm going to spend a lot of time on its jurisprudence in particular. Uh, the study of Koshen Amishpat usually begins with the halakhas of edus. Uh, the entire judicial process depends on the nature of acceptable evidence. The first simon of the halachas of Taruvas, which I just came from uh, teaching, raises the issue as well. There are discussions all throughout Seder Nazikin and Seder Nashim and extensive treatment in many places, uh, other places in Shas. This morning, our program is to clarify certain yesodos, foundational principles, and explore some of the jurisprudential issues behind them. We're going to start with three psukim in in which the Torah stipulates the requirement for two edim. In particular, in Parshas Masay, after presenting the institution of Ir Miklat for the accidental murderer, the Torah cites the requirement for two edim to effect any execution of an intentional murder. Call Ma'kei Nefesh Lefi Adim Yurdzach the Ve'Ed Echad Lo Ya'anev Benefesh Lamus. The language here differs slightly, but is consistent with the Lishna De'Kra in Parsha Shoftim. Al Pishnayim Adim O Shlosha Adim Yumas Lo Yumas Al Pie Note here the orality of language in these Psukim. In Parshas Lefi and in the Sefer DeKra, Aid Echad Lo Yaane, which recalls the language in Aseret Hadibros, Lo Vereacha So it isn't surprising then, given this emphasis in the Torah's language on orality, on speaking, it isn't surprising then. That we find in the Sifre and Shovtim. Al pishnaim edim u'shlosha edim yakum davar velo al pik savam, al pihem al pik savam. The Torah rejects the submission of written testimony. In Maseches Gittin, this is derived from a pasuk in Parshas Va'yikra, which I didn't, I should have put here, but we'll uh, we'll see it in one of the sugyas. Alpi venefesh, sorry, venefesh ki sechetar, Shama kol Allah, v'hu aid, o ra'ah o yada, imlo yagid v'nasavano. The Torah frames the dereliction of duty when someone doesn't testify as imlo yagid, again, the oral element, implying that the obligation to give testimony is an oral one. And so, a brisa in Perak Misha Akso, Tanya, Imlo Yagid, Pratli lame Sheino Lagid. a mute person, cannot give testimony. Amai, Hayacholagid, Lagid, talk he could write it down, he's an intelligent person. Amar Le Abaye, Adus Kamrat, the very term Edus. Shani Adus derahmana Amar, Mi pihem, the mi pik savam. So the Torah insists, and the very word aid indicates to us that we require the ability to testify orally. Before we conclude Halak Lamaisa, we should note that the Tosvos and Yavamos, Perak Shalishi, cite Rebal HaTosvos, Peshem Rabbeinu Tam, that their contemporary practice was nevertheless for Adim to send written transcripts of testimony. And he explains that this was not considered a violation of that we just mentioned in Gittin, since as he puts it, This occasions long explanations as to Rabbi Rabbeinu Tam's intention here. Rabbeinu Tam Shita, is a worthwhile topic for serious study, as it occasions much discussion among Rishonim and Akronim, including Tosas Arid, the Nasivas, the Urim Vatumim, and the Nota Yehuda For our purposes, it suffices to say that the thrust seems to be that as long as he's not simply sending to the court written materials <laughs> describing matters he doesn't recall, that that's not me, of the requirement of Al-Pen may not directly define the format of the transmission of to court of the testimony, but the act of testifying itself. If the testimony remains essentially the verbalization of memory, matters directly recalled, perhaps it qualifies in terms of the script- scriptural requirement Al-P, Al-Pen. al on. By the way, there are many other explanations as to why this does not violate the letter of the law, including that the aide is reciting his testimony to the one who's transcribing it, or that the reading of the deposition in the Bezdin constitutes the Haggadah that's required by the Pasuk in Vayikra. This is not our central focus, but I'm filing it away for further explanation in the this pasuk that we cited from Parshas Vayikra should have been included in the pack here and for its omission, I apologize. I'm going to review it slowly since you don't have it in front of you, but since it's a pasuk in Chumash, I'm, I assume it's, going to, it's uh, familiar to you. The nefesh ki sechetol, if a person should sin, shama call Allah, and will hear an oath. So the context is a monetary case, in which one of the Baal Din believes that a particular third party knows something that's germane to his case. So if this third party, with alleged knowledge of the facts, denies that he in fact knows anything relevant, the Baal Din can ask him to swear in court that this is so. And if the oath is administered, and he's later discovered to have lied, he must bring a korban; hence, its appearance in the first parak of Vayikra, in the beginning of Ayikra. The who aid, <laughs> The Torah describes the position of the third party with knowledge of the facts of the case as the who aid, O Raah, O Yada. Now, let me stress always how critical the ta'ameh mikra are. How important it is to read a pasuk according to the way the the appear. I'm going to actually read it according to, to the trop. So the pasuk says, "Vehu eid munach zakev gadol." Then, "Ora o yada mercha tipcha munach So in the topography of the Tamim, handed down through the Masorah, the zakeif gadol is called a melech. So it's a major stop. And it's followed here by a Tipcha, which are the lowest rank of uh, uh, Trupp. They're called Mishartim, they're just assistants. And the Esnapta is a Kesar, a very major stop. So the Tamim enforce a very clear understanding of the Pasuk. The Hu'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u'u' Which is then defined as O O Yada. There are two varieties of knowledge, the Pasuk says Re'iyah, <laughs> seeing, and Yadiyah, and knowing. So this is in our 13th source. If you'll turn there to Rabbi Yossi Haglili, you'll see the Gemarin Shvuos. Rabbi Yossi Haglili Omer. Harehu hu omer, the Torah says, the hu aid, o ra'a o yada. It's a shame that the sitter, uh, I mentioned in my shir this morning to uh, my uh, Yerodea boys, that it's a say, shame that the, sh- that the sitter doesn't have Tameh Amikrin, it doesn't have Trump. Because we phrase things, uh, it, it grates on the ear, listening to people daven them, with the way they do the phrasing. So uh, one of my, uh, uh, today I came in and my s- chair was too low, so we were raising the chair. So I pointed out to them, they should know, that the davening is not, It's not that God sits or dwells up to the heavens. It's shochenad oh, marom vikadoshimo. That's the way it's supposed to be phrased, right? So if it's the marom vikadoshimo, not shochenad marom, right? And the same thing at the end of that same thing. I noticed yesterday, it's melech um, kael che not melech kael che right? Because it describes God in three ways. God's a king. He's Khe he lives forever, and he's and uh, uh, um, and he's kale and he's and he's God, right? So the phrase is Melech Kale, three different descriptions, Khe Holomim. It drives me nuts when they particularly when it's my kid davening from the office. <laughs> when it's recited incorrectly. Okay. There'll be no lunch. Okay. Um, so Rabbi Yossi Glili Omer, Harehu Omer. The hu aid, and we know how to read that Pasuk now. The Huhu aid O O Yada. Right? B'aidus Hamiskayemes Bariya below Yediya. Uviya below Ri'iya Ha medaber So the 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 Pasuk is presenting two exclusive varieties of knowledge. There's Yedia below reiya, and Ra'iyah below Yediah So how how does this how could this be? I thought if I see something I know it. Re'iyah below Yedia Ketsad. So what constitutes Re'iyah and what constitutes Yedia? These are exclusive categories, not mixed ones. If I see something, don't I know it? Obviously the Torah means something specific by each term. So mana manisi l'cha Bifne ploni uploni. So Yossi and Mikel saw me counting out a hundred zoos to you. The alleged debtor responds, "Yavo ploniu ploni v'yaidu. Let Yossi Mikhail come and testify to this. Zohi uh, ya below This is seen without knowing. They saw a transaction, but they didn't know what it was. Hal, let's fill in the details. The alleged lender tells an alleged borrower that he has two witnesses who saw him counting out money to give to him." He never told them why he was dispensing the money. It could have been he was paying them back some money he owed him. It could have been he was giving them a gift, right? It might not have been a loan at all. It could have been something else entirely. All the other two people saw is the transaction itself. They saw the alleged lender dispensing funds to the alleged borrower. So the alleged borrower says, if these two guys come, and they testified to, to what they saw, even though they do not know the full facts, so I'm going to pay you. This constitutes seeing without knowing. They saw the transfer of the cash, but they do not know for what purpose. The Gemara says, this is Zohi R'iya below Yedeea. Similarly, Yedeea below yodiyah. You admit. You admitted that you owe me a hundred zoos before Yossi and Mikael. So the alleged debtor responds, Yavo ploni uploni v'ya'idu. Let Yossi and Mikkel come and testify to this, and I'll pay you. Zohi, Yediyah, below Reia. In this case, we have knowledge of the obligation without observation of any transaction, and therefore we have Yediyah below Reia. I want to point out, let's get behind both cases because there's something very fundamentally important about ADIS in these two cases. There's a common characteristic that illuminates the entire nature of testimony. In Reiya below Yedia, the witnesses can provide testimony about the fact of a transaction that it happened. They can testify to what they saw. In Judea below Rea, they testify to what they heard. In neither case do they testify that the other party owes the, uh, the the party of the first part money. They only report the facts. And that's very important. The court instructs the witnesses in the manner of I'm dating myself, Sergeant Joe Friday. All we want are the facts. Now, by the way, I, I will tell you, if you go back to, uh, I checked the uh, source of all knowledge, uh, uh, Wikipedia, and it turns out on Google I discovered that actually the way it was quoted, just the facts, ma'am, was not actually from the the uh, uh, Joe Friday. It was Stan Freeberg's. Parodies of Dragnet years ago that my parents used to listen to. So it got uh, bastardized. The actual Gearsa is all we want are the facts. Okay? By the way, just I saw some puzzled. Uh, we always give Shimon and Ruvain as uh, uh, names. I gave Yossi and Mikel in tribute to Yossi Ben Ayun and Mikel Arteta, two of my favorite players on my football club, Arsenal, in London. Ruvain and Shimon could be anybody. <clears throat> when I was uh, a child, I uh, told people I was going to write a sefer on Choshen and Mishpat, that wherever they said the Ruvain lent to Shimon, I was going to write uh, Haggah, for who I did in Shimon Lelevi. <laughs> right. yeah. okay. Anyway, the court instructs the witness, just give the facts. All the details, and I would have run through some of the details of the laws of Ediths, Work together toward one purpose to ensure as much as possible that the testimony provided in court cases is true. So, before we move to the heart of our discussion, let's tick off some of the prate denim in the laws of ADIS and put them into perspective. First, there are those who are edgible, eligible to give testimony on one's behalf. There are those who are not. Mishnah and Sanhedrin excludes whole groups of people. These exclusions all relate to reliability about objectivity of the facts. No relatives, no Crovy. No one whose lifestyle or profession exhibits a tendency to play fast and loose with the truth. In our day, no presidential candidates. (laughs) Second, there is the requirement that the testimony must be subject to hazama, refutation through contradiction. Hazama occurs when other witnesses testify that the testimony given cannot possibly be true since the witnesses were observed in another place at the time of the event to which they are testifying. If the testimony provided by witnesses is not subject to potential hazama, then the witnesses have no deterrent to prevent them from lying, and therefore their testimony is not acceptable no matter how reliable they may be. The requirement that the witnesses testify from matters that they remember now orally may be seen in the same light. The entire set of procedures promotes objective truth to the extent possible. Consider how the testimonies conveyed to the court, by the way. The Aiden do not prepare their own narrative but are questioned by the judges with every effort made to keep them off balance so that the truth is elicited. Look at the Rambam that we quote here. Mitzvah asay, lidrosha adim. To inquire to the truth of the adim. Should be in the sheets here. it's uh, oh we might have missed it it's not here ok well I'll ask you to remember the Rambam uh, think back in your memory the Rambam the first paragraph of Yolchus Edis Mitzvah drosha Lidrosha Edin Valach Ulaharbos Ulah Harbos Bishelosan and to ask them a lot of questions and this is how they do it you don't let the adim prepare their own story. There's no sitting down with uh, uh, Larry King or uh, the uh, Wolf Blitzer and telling the story the way you want to tell it. The the Rambam says umasiin o son like no we make them move be we jump from place to place from time to time. From details of dress to weather. Why? To confuse them, to inhibit them, to cause them to recant if they're not telling the truth. If there's any questionable feature to their testimony, we try to confuse them and move them around and around so that we make sure... Oh, I thought you said it was raining. No, it was dark. It was the light time. Okay, Shneimer. This is the Rambam said the explanation of the verse. The Darashta, the Chakarta, the Shaalta Heitev. This cross examination by the of the witnesses by the judges flows directly from the pasuk. Drisha enquiry, Chakira probing, Shaela through questioning Heitev thoroughly and therefore a special caution to the panel that is hearing the case utshrikhin hadayanim be'es hakkirah se'ading shema shakir. they have to be careful he's a here so they have to be very careful not to lead the witness the questions jump from topic to topic so as not to suggest to the witnesses the area's concern lest they learn from the pattern of questioning to mislead and to dissemble now the interrogation of the Edim is much more extensive in Dine Nefashos than in Dine Mamonos for two reasons one because of the Khumra of Dine Nefashos and one because of the Kula of Dine Mamonos First, the chumra In Dine Nefashos, there's a life at stake. The life of the defendant, who may himself be executed. This is a Chomer in Dine Nefashos. And second, there's a Kula in Dine Mamonos. We do not want to make the process too onerous and thereby discourage the interest-free lending of money and possibly deny borrowers a desperately needed loan. As we've seen, the entire process of ADIS is to collect objective fact and the procedures and requirements work to ensure truth as much as possible. Consequently, Adim have no discretion to apply their own judgment. They are passive responders during Adis. The fifth makor describes the institution of Iyum, and this we do have here, I see, a charge to the witnesses in a capital case so as to provoke Ama a proper appreciation of the gravity of the proceedings and their place in it in modern hebrew we would use the word iyum to be able to threaten here it's more ama in the sense of reverence for the din katesuben i mean al nefashos." how does the court inspire awe in the responsibility that the witnesses have in a capital case to get things right Hayuma Sin son, they would bring them in. Uma lehem, and exhort them in this way: Shema Tomrume Omed. Perhaps you will speculate when you testify. Umishmua, or report hearsay. Aid me aid, or rely on previous evidence. Mipi Adam Neman. Shamanu, or on the authority of someone you consider reliable. All these are unacceptable. Or perhaps you're not aware that we will examine you. Realize that you will have to pass our strict enquiries, the ones we just described. Hey you, Yodin, you should know. Shelo kidine mamonos, dine nefashos. Know that capital cases are not like civil ones. Dine mamonos. Adam no sein mamono, umiska perlo. You make a mistake in a civil case, a witness who lies or makes a mistake can atone by making restitution, pay off the damage that you caused, make everybody whole. But vidine nefashos damo vidam Zarosov, tuluyimbo ad sofolam. Whereas, in a capital case where the death penalty is potentially involved, the defendant's blood and the blood of his descendants until the end of time, hang in the balance. Shekein Matsinu b'kayin, shenemar, so we found, in the case of kain vehevel, that the Torah writes, kol damei achicha so the blood, in the plural, of your brother, cries to me from the ground, meaning, Enoomer omer kol damei achicha, achicha, Damo vidam zarosov, meaning not just Hebel's blood, but the blood of his future descendants, who will now not be born. Lefichach nivra adam yichidibolam. Lelameid shekol ha me abed nefeshachas malim alav ki ilu ibed olam malei. The olam Now we're going to read this a little bit differently. Machlokas, me and uh, uh, Mr. Spielberg in uh, Schindler's List how to read this how to read those phrases. olam malay, as if he caused the loss of a full world. Not as if he destroyed our entire world, but if he at least he, he destroyed a world, a complete world. Every individual constitutes a world of possibility. Killing a single human being kills an entire world of potential. What a response, by the way, to the collectivist philosophy that subsumes every individual into the group's identity. The Gemara offers further explanation of the Mishnah's rejection of OMED, reproduced here it, it, by the way in the sixth source. Tanurbanan. Kate said Meomed. How would it be? What's the case? What do we mean when we say no testimony based on the conjecture by the witnesses? Omerlahen, the judge says to the witnesses, Shema Kachwar Isan Maybe this is what you saw. Sharat Sahar Khabero Perhaps you saw him running after someone, Lakhorva, into a ruin. People didn't go into ruins, we know from the Gemara and Brachos, because it was dangerous, it could fall, topple. Maybe you saw him running into a ruin, and you chased them yourselves. V'ratztem acharav, omitsasem, and you found him, with a saif biyado, standing over the victim, with a sword in his hand, the damo and blood was dripping, the blood of the victim was dripping from the sword. mifarper, and the uh, murder victim was on the ground, writhing in the throes of death in convulsion. Imkach this is what you saw. Lo Klum. You didn't see anything. This is a direct outcome of the Torah's requirement for adim, meaning eyewitnesses to the facts. The Gemara cites another b'risa. Tanya, Amar Rabbi Shimon ben Shetach of Ereb ben Nechama, this is a euphemism, let me not see the there are two explanations usually given. Let me not see the Nechama, the building of Yerushalayim, v'yomenu, or let me not have Nechama for uh, events in my family. That's Rashi I think, Gemakos. Marcos. Rabbi Shimon ben Shattach takes an oath. Let me never see Nechama if I am not willing telling the truth. So he's vowing that he's speaking the truth. So actually, the case that's mentioned, the other Bryce, it happened to him. Shima ben Shetah. He chased after someone into a ruin. For rats the I chased him. Raisi Saif biado, and I saw that he was holding the sword. Vidamo mitafta, and the blood of the of the victim was dripping from the sword. The harub mifarper, and he was convulsing on the ground, die, the ground dying. In this brysa, we see the actual incident reported in the general formulation above Bilshon Tanu rabbanan. I saw someone run after a person into the ruin. And I ran after him, and I saw him holding a sword with blood dripping, and the victim on the ground in the throes of death, martylo, Rabbi Shimon Ben Shetach is himself certain what happened. He speaks to the man standing there with the bloody sword in his hand. Russia. Me, Haragolizet. It's only you and me here. Owani, oata. Could only have been you or me. There's no one else here. <coughs> Moments ago, this man on the ground was running. You were chasing him, and I was chasing you. It wasn't me who wielded the sword, so it must have been you. Avalma What can I do? What can I do? masur The law has not turned over to me the authority over your blood. <coughs> Excuse me. Torah al For it's written in the Torah by the oral testimony of two witnesses, shall he that is to die, be put to death and there's no witness here the judicial system carries out the law that's all they do <coughs> when justice is beyond the reach of the law it's vouchsafe to God he says Shimon ben Shetach HaYodeya Machavos. Shavos read my mind He who knows the plots of men may he exact the penalty due this man who killed a fellow human being. The tradition reports that the prayer of Shimon ben Chetach was answered immediately. Amru, they say, it's been told. They didn't even read from there. My read of the thrust here is, by the way, a tribute to the Tanah Shimon Ben Shetach. He notes an iniquity, and his prayer for its redress is immediately answered. The Gemara questions the story, though. This Nachash showed up, bit the guy, he died, that was it. Justice was served. So the Gemara doesn't take stories like that you know, without uh, exacting them to the critical eye of halakha. Is this really what should have happened? The high bar nachashu? Was this man with the bloody sword in his hand really snakebite worthy? If we're going to tell a story, let it be consistent with halakha. Was the presumed murderer deserving of dying by snakebite? The story is not consistent with other traditions. Rav Rabbi Let's read this interesting. We very carefully here because it's pretty interesting. Pay careful attention to the language here, for the Gemara pursues precision and uses language precisely. For did not Rav Yosef say, Rav Yosef in Amora, and therefore transmit learning in Memra? and so it was. Was it not taught by the school of Chizkia? Nechizkiyah too is an Amora, by the way. I recommend to my Tammidim that they follow the Graz advice and know the Seder Tanaim Morraim. Otherwise, we may miss important features of the dialectic in the Gemara. So, why does it say Tani for the school of an Amora? So, Chizkiah belongs to the second generation of Eretz Isra'l Amoraim. He was one of Rabbi Chia's twin sons with an unusual birth reported by the Gemara in Yavamos it's happening to be learning this Gemara now, it's what we're learning in Yeshiva, Samak A. Beis. His brother Yehuda was born at seven months, but he wasn't born until, nine, until the completion of the full nine-month gestation, the Gemara says. And this case is cited in Nida, Chafzayin Amad Aleph, as uh, the case of uh, uh, two births that are uh, divided by a small period of time. So in Perikol Basar in and Kufa Aleph, Chizkiah disagrees with Tanaitic opinions regarding the use of Chamei Teveria for Netilas Yadayim. And that prompts Rashi on the spot to say that he is the status of a Tana and can therefore disagree. And hence you see that here in the language. And Tosis makes the same observation in Masechus of Zara. What did Rav Yosef say and what did Chizkiah teach? Miyom Shecharav Beis Hamikdash. P shebiteila Sanhedrin arba misos lobitlu. From the day the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed, the Sanhedrin may have been abolished, but the four modes of execution carried out by the Sanhedrin were not. Lobitlu? They weren't. They most certainly were. Rather. Ela din arba misos The institution might not have been carried out, but the law remained in effect. How did this? How could this be? There was nobody to do it. No human beings to do it. There was no Sanhedrin. Someone who should have been stoned. Oh no, fail Oh might fall from a roof or be trampled by a wild animal. Mishin Yishayev Oh, no fail, Bidleka? Oh, nacha, Shmakisho? Someone who should have been ex- executed by fire might die in a blaze or be bitten by a snake, probably reference to the fever that would burn him up uh, if he were bitten by a snake. Here's the Gemara's question. Being bitten by a snake is the analog for execution by Srafa. So murder is punishable by the death penalty of, of Herig. So it doesn't make sense. The important point for our inquiry this morning is that conjecture is absolutely eliminated. The role of the ADEAM remains to convey fact and fact only. Now, this does not eliminate conjecture and discretion from the judicial process. It merely consigns it to the judges where it belongs. Particularly in capital cases, the ADIM are far removed from drawing conclusions from what they have experienced. <coughs> Let's see some of this in operation from a variety of contexts in Shas, as long as I still have a voice. First, source seven in Ksubas. There was a woman, In Rava's court she became obligated, she was obligated to she was ordered to take an oath. Now Rava was married to Ravhista's daughter. So the Gemara tells us Amra bas Ravchista, so they don't refer to him by as the wife of uh of um of uh, rava but as the daughter of Ravchista. Yadanaba Rav de hasuda as daughter says to rava to her husband i know she's he's sitting in court and she pulls him aside and says I know that this woman is suspected of uh, making false oaths so what does Ravah do? Apcha Ravah uh, L'shvua Asha he put it on the other party he said I'm not going to have this woman swear because she's not so he required her opponent to take the oath instead let's look at another place that's the exercising of discretion in the judicial process. <clears throat> Let's look at another source. In uh, source number 10, I've got a bunch of them here. I'll leave you to finish most of them on your own. Demus <clears> Levanos Hayula Robin <throat> Gamliel, Let's see. Um, ah, let's, look, let's read further ahead. Ma says Shabao Shnayim um, Bamru Reinu We saw the new moon in the morning over here and in the, in the evening over there. Amar Rabbi and Ben according to the tradition that we have, this can't be. According to the calculations, we know where it should appear in the sky. Ukshabne Kiblon Rabangamliel The O Bau Shne Vamru Raiinuhu Bismano Uval Iburo Loni Red. They also knew not only where it should appear in the sky, but when it should appear. The Kiblon Rabangamliel Amar Rabbi Dosa Ben Hirkinus Ade Shekerhain Hak Meidin Hala Isha Shialda. Bain Shineha. How can it be that somebody testifies that a woman gave birth on a Monday and on Wednesday we see she's still pregnant? The judge must exercise common sense, not the adim, the judge himself. Amarlo Hoshua, Roe Anias divorecha makes sense to me. we've only begun the topic but we've reached an important conclusion the role of the witnesses is sharply distinguished from the role of the Dayani the role of the witnesses is to provide objective fact circumstantial evidence may not be used by the witness to draw conclusions it may however be used by the judge judiciously and prudently, is the dayan that is dandavar midavar. It's the witness who is meid. So I hope this introduction will serve you well in your trips through Sidre Nazikin Vinoshin. Thanks so much for your attention and continued participation in our Kolo Yom Rishon. I left some time for questions and comments. <clears throat>